So guys, is today Mac Pro Day or what? I just want to be clear. I'm not saying that we are the champions. <laughs> we collectively are the champions today. Okay. All Mac users, even if you're not going to buy this computer, which you won't because it's really expensive. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Save, it, save it for the show. Save it for the show. This is the show. What is this? <laughs> so uh, so should, we, should we maybe talk about what happened today? A lot. A I lot would say happened. in summary. I mean, so here's the deal. We have a 90-minute show, roughly, because you're all here, and you, you know we don't want to overrun your... Uh, your patience and bodies, but uh, we have a lot to cover, like a lot. Yeah. And so let's, let's start with a quick summary of the event, and I think we're going to spend most of today talking about Casey's favorite topic, maybe? <laughs> Yay! So, quick summary. What do we think of the event as a whole? You know, it's tough because I now have to deal with six months of Mac Pro conversation, so that, that, that I'm not too thrilled about. But I'm happy for you guys and, yeah. and you guys. Uh, no, uh, Vignette got Sherlocked, as expected, which was delightful. Um, you still yeah, have until the fall. Yeah, I have until the fall. So, uh, yeah, yeah if, you haven't, if you haven't given me your five bucks yet, let's get on that real quick. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but I did, I don't, they didn't really mention this in the keynote, and I'm not going to have time to talk about it. And so since I have the mic, I have to do it now. We did get RX Swift, but first party. Yeah. Which is really exciting. Thank you. Thank you. That is very good. And that was something, like, we heard the rumblings about, about you know, Amber and what is now called Swift UI. We didn't hear anything. No. Like, there were no rumors about, what's it called? No, no, no. The combine. 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 I, keep, I keep trying to call it yeah. compact. It's like combine. the enemies in Half Life Two, right? The combine. <laughs> yeah. Great. So, uh, yeah. So that that was that's something totally new. I expect you, Mr. Casey Liss, this is your next job. You yeah. are going to be a combine leader, not in the Half Life Two way. That, that's a bad way. But in the in the like, you can be a consultant. You can know, do right? videos, which you love doing, on <laughs> being uh, on how to combine things, like you. I see what you did yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, like this because you are Mr. RX. RX just got Sherlock, basically. Sort yeah. of. So we we're going to want to hear from you, the RX expert, of like how to use this. First of all, you're going to have to teach me because I have to learn learn Swift now. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, gonna, we, we could clap for yeah. that. We could clap for that. So you're going to have to teach me, and probably many of us. Uh, and so that that's your new job. So in, in case this whole you know contact app photo or contact photo app thing ends up not going so well after September. <laughs> Jeez, why? You have a new thing. So yeah, congratulations. So, that's, so yeah, that's exciting. So, so to bring good, this back good around. Good summary of the event, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to bring this back around, there were some highs and some lows, but I don't know. All kidding aside, the, the keynote was breakneck pace. It was unbelievably quick how how yeah. how much stuff and we, we say that every year we say it every year no, but, but it keeps getting more faster more so. he would say like one sentence and then he'd put up a slide and before we even read the words on the slide they would go to the next one it was, yeah. it was really fast which is fine more time for the mac pro i'm all for it but it was, <laughs> it was, it was fast no, yeah. it was absolutely incredible. And the State of the Union was good as well, but I think for the most part tonight, we're probably going to focus on the keynote. But there was so much there. There was just so much there. Yeah, I mean, like, my notes for this, it's like 16 pages long in Apple Notes, at least in this big font I'm using. <laughs> like, there's, there's just so much. I mean, there's, there's the Marzipan thing, which is now called Project Catalyst, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to take me a very long time to remember, like, all these yeah, names, like, exactly. from, the, from the code names that we heard in the rumors to now their real names. Uh, there's that. There's all the changes to the OSs themselves, which are numerous and significant. Uh, so this is a massive year. This is, I would say this is the biggest keynote since the Swift keynote. Yeah, I yeah, think that's fair. Sure. 
Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so before we get started on the main uh, Mac Pro topic, we have a special sponsorship this week. And we have, I mean, we have multiple special sponsors. They're all special. But Every single one of them is special. There's a special event that many of you have been requesting for a long time. Would you welcome, if you please, dear friend of the show, Alex Cox, to the, to the stage, everybody. <laughs> so... We are sponsored this week by Cards Against Humanity, who have brought not only a toaster for John to review, but this, I would say this is the toaster. Yes. Yeah, so like, this is the Balmuda. Alex, can you, do you know anything about this? It's the Balmuda toaster. It's Japanese. It uses steam, and it's very fancy. Hi. Uh, it's very fancy and very expensive. It can't grate anything, which is sad. But yeah, it has steam induction, and you, you just put in a single piece of bread at a time. And there are six different kinds of bread, as Mr. Syracuse is expecting. John is just trying to close it. Like, the rack is yeah, off the rails. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, he's just trying to make it close correctly, and the rack... I, I, I mean, John... Oh, oh, that we have oh, now oh, abandoned no. the rack. The rack is the out rack of the toaster. Abandoned. John, can you can you explain what you what you think of the Balmuda very expensive Japanese steam toaster? All right. Well, first of all, this is not the one. That the this is the one that people have been sending me for the past year. Not the one that people have been sending me for the past month or so, which is the single square thing. It looks like a Mac Mini that you put bread in. This is the one. This is the bigger one. It looks like a toaster oven. It's expensive, but let me tell you, the insides of this are not. I, I wish this was a video podcast. This this rack is no good. Like I can, I, can, I, can, I can bend this in half with my hands. It's very thin. It's not clear even how it goes in. There's no multiple positions that it goes in. Here is where you put the water and it gets steamed. Right. The door so, keeps yeah. flopping open and closed. It doesn't seem like it has the right spring tension. The knobs are okay. So the, the knob feel the knob feel is passable. Yeah, it's simple. It's just got the two knobs. I just I'm very disappointed in the whole rest of the thing. I wouldn't want this in my house with this flappy thing and the steam. And this this tray is just terrible. I'm I'm I've never seen one of these before, but I'm very disappointed in it. Yeah. <laughs> so we have we have toast here. We have various various uh, slices of toast in various amounts of All right, doneness. audience, let's look at the back of this toast. Does this yeah, 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 you yeah, gotta yeah, try yeah. the toast. Now, and, and so, in all fairness, it's made for a special type of Japanese bread that we didn't have. Yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. A special Japanese bread that is harder to toast on one end? Because <laughs> this, this is not even. The top is done and the bottom is practically raw. That's no good. Yeah. There's a similar one there. Like they're all, they're I, I, I all gotta like say, that. like, like w- w- during the preparation of these toasts in the green room, there was a lot of smoke being generated. Yeah, <laughs> especially for it being steam powered, allegedly. Yeah, and I don't, know, I don't know what the steam is trying to do. The Japanese seem to be super into like having the toast be like moist and stuff. But it, honestly, if you just get bread that's not stale and you toast it re- and eat it really quickly before like all the moisture goes out of it, it's fine. So, so we're saying this one not the best. No good. Uh, are, um, are you really not going to have? Any bites? I'm not going to eat any of the toast. No, Why? that's not going to happen. Just pretend. Give me a piece of toast. Okay. Right, yeah, eat, the, eat the toast. Now, now, this, now this that Alex looks, handled every piece backstage. This looks great up top. It's a it's a nice even brown up top, but the bottom is a total disaster. Like this is this is truly awful. We've covered that. But, so, but, so who who had who who had on their bingo card Casey eating Wonder Bread on stage? Yeah. See, so here we go. Let me do some foley work here. Mm. All right. 
That was not good. Well, well, it's not I, good at all. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's cold now and not buttered or anything. So, yeah. Wonder Bread. I it wouldn't do, eat it either. It does come with a tiny little cup to put the water in that says 5cc in it, as if <laughs> if you put more or less water, it wouldn't work correctly. No. I mean, I would argue it wasn't already working correctly. Oh, this toaster is putting on airs. You know, right. before we, before we uh, thank Alex, I do want to say that at least I do have sustenance for when we talk about the Mac Pro and don't leave for three weeks. So the joke's on all of you, because I've got dinner. <laughs> Thank you so much. Alex, thank Sorry, you so much. Thank you to Cards Against Humanity for sponsoring our show. That was amazing. just going to leave the toaster? All right, now you have to look at this abomination the whole show. Yeah. It's still sitting in front Enjoy. of John. Oh, see? Oh, see? And the door is flopping open. It's the worst. That's all right. We'll just let, it, we'll just let it air out. Just let it air out. So uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, how about we talk more about the combine? I always get the thing wrong. Combine framework. Let's, we can do easily idea. an hour and a half on that. Because you guys don't want to hear about the Mac Pro at all, right? Uh, yes! That worked so much better than I expected. Oh, that's delightful. You're in the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> all right, everyone. Buckle up. I so, have some bad news for you, Casey. It's Mac Pro time. Yes, it is. But I have some good news for you, Casey. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I have just been handed... A bottle of Tito's, all is right in the world. I will try to resist cracking that. We'll see how to. it goes. We're all friends. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I hope I don't need it. Yeah, dip the bread in the Tito's. That'll be good. Thank you, friend of the show, Jason Snell. No, I'm going to resist for now because I'm an adult, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, John, this is your day. This is your moment. I was sitting next to you witnessing this happening. In fact, I should point out that Underscore and I colluded, bad choice of words, Underscore and I cooperated to <laughs> sit on either side of you. So should you faint in either direction, one of us would have caught you. So, John, today is your day. What do you think about the Mac Pro? I think I gave it less buildup than I would have thought because, like, we all, I guess we all knew it was coming before they played the video, so there wasn't much surprise there. And I was shocked at how close our sort of just guessing last show about what the Mac Pro would be like turned out to be. The only time I had a little bit of a heart palpitation is when the first frame of the video showed a round thing. <laughs> yeah, I was that like, was, oh, God, what have they done? They it's, were totally messing it's, with it's us the, with the, that. It's the sphere that everyone has been sending me jokes about. It's like, they, but that was just a, a hole in the case, right? So, so, yeah, like, they did it. They did what we thought they were going to do. I think our, most of our predictions last show were, were dead on. I'm very happy about it. Um, and I think to tackle this beast, we should start from the outside in. And just this, <laughs> let's just start talking about the outside of this thing. So, you know, size, it's a tower. Size-wise, it's in between the trash can and, and the regular Mac Pro, but closer to the, the, uh, the old Mac Pro, the cheese grater. Um, aesthetically... What do you two think of, of, the, the, of the mega grater? The design of the, uh, of the grater is optimized for softer cheeses now <laughs> than before. Yeah. It is, I, so I, I got a chance to ask a lot of questions about it to various people in the uh, pro studio uh, area. And I asked specifically, like, are these serving some, like, these new holes that are these weird kind of like alien eye, like larger holes with little sub holes that are curved in and, do these serve some kind of, you know, cooling physical function or are they just design? And I was told they do serve functions of, you know, reducing noise, letting in a whole bunch of air and everything. So they do seem to be there for a reason. I can say that it is quite a striking look in person. Not 100% in a positive way, but the reality is, like, 
with this machine, where they went wrong with the trash can, the 2013 Mac Pro, is they optimized for good looks. And for many of their other machines, that's, a, that's the right trade-off, but not the Mac Pro. And that ended up being its downfall, among other things. But this machine, they have done what we all wanted. They have put like slimness and cute shapes and appearance kind of on the back burner in order to achieve what the Mac Pro is supposed to be, which is a big box with no thermal constraints that can handle the most powerful stuff we can throw in it and be upgradable and all that other stuff. So, yeah, I think it kind of looks a little bit odd. It's pretty big. It's, it's very similar in size, I'd say, to the cheese grater, really. It's, it's not that much smaller. Uh, they wouldn't let me lift it up, or ask, or, and they wouldn't answer how heavy it is, but I think it says on the website. It's 37 it's, pounds. Yeah, it's heavy. It's like, yeah, of course you already know this. So, like... <laughs> So, like, you know, it's a big honking thing. It's Sorry, not 39.7. I have it in my notes. I was all There you up. go. Like, it's not going to fit in my beach backpack. <laughs> but it's got wheels. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. asked if there was going to be, like, a rubber wheel option or, like, a beach tire option. I think option. they are rubber. I think they are rubberish. At least they look black. Yeah, so it's... It, the fact is, the thing is big and chunky, and the air holes on the front of it look kind of funny, but it's awesome. It's exactly what we wanted. They... They sacrificed looks and size to make a machine that is awesome and has all the capacity, the thermal capacity and the size and the slots and everything else. So while I think a lot of people are criticizing the looks, I don't care because they made exactly what it needed to be. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about looks. In the last show, I was like, they can make it rectangular, and you can make a rectangular solid look nice if, with surface details, with neat surface details. And there sure are surface details. Like, so this is machined on both the front and the back of the thing. They, they mentioned, you know, obviously for airflow and lots of surface area and all that other stuff. And they, they also mentioned for, like, structural rigidity. I'm like, are you putting a, a Volvo upside down on your, on your Mac Pro? Like, I'm not sure why it has to be so strong. But here, here's the word that came to mind, even though I didn't know this word. And please, everyone in the audience, do not Google this word. Um, uh, trust me. Uh, it's tripophobia? Oh, no. Seriously, don't Google that word. Do not Google that word, but let me just say, it is a, a phobia related to uh, things with holes in them. And I don't think the front of this computer triggers that, but it is uncomfortably close to that. So I think, it, first of all, it looks, it looks to all the world like a cheese grater. They're actually kitchen cheese graters with like a stainless steel rod as like the little thing there, right? So, you know, and it is like, it's, I'm trying to come up with a name for this. And we can't call it the cheese grater, the mega grater. I don't know what I'm going to call it. But like, if you took the, the old cheese grater Mac Pro and rubbed it against this one, the old Mac Pro would be grated. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is seriously like it's going to seriously grate something. And the tripophobia angle, uh, uh, let me just say, I'll be glad to have this under my desk. But everything, every, everything Marco said is true. I, you know, cold air comes in the front, hot air goes out the back, lots of big lazily spinning fans, tons of room for stuff, which we will get to in a second. And practically speaking, it's a big box. And exterior design-wise, they one-upped. Like, so the, the Yosemite Tower and the El Cap Tower had a door that folded down. The Power Mac G5 and the, and the Mac Pro had a door that came off. This thing, the whole sleeve comes off, leaving sort of the naked robotic core, a la the old uh, you know, G4 Cube. You can get it all sides of this thing. I wonder if you could even run it like that. Then you wouldn't have to have that case on it all the time. Anyway, um, it is a very interesting design, very practical, very utilitarian. They tried to make the surface details interesting, and they, and they kind of wigged me out a little bit. But 
you know, I won't be looking at that part of it. And also, I'll, luckily, I won't have to see the back of the monitor if I buy it either, which also has those yeah. holes. And I, then you get a, I know I can't really see half of the audience here, but this is a thing you can only do live. Show of hands, who thinks the looks of the new Mac Pro and monitor are like a little homelier than you would have expected? Not that you hate it, but it's a little homelier. Say about half about the half, room. A little more than half, I'd say. Yeah, about half. Yeah, that's pretty good. Does anyone in the room love it and think it's the most awesome computer? Like, like looks-wise. Well, looks-wise. Just oh. for the looks. No no love. No one is like, well, a couple one, people. one or two people think it looks awesome. Anyway, I'm sure it will grow on us. Uh, it'll be fine. So that's, that's the outside. Anything more to say about the outside? Yeah, it's got optional wheels, which I think is a very clever idea. It's rack-mountable, which is smart. It's rectangular, and that makes that easier. Um, it's got ports on the top instead of the back. It's got ports on the back, too, but it's also got stuff on the top, like the Thunderbolt ports are on there, and that's where the little screw thingy is. It's got stuff in the back. Uh, what else is going on? Two There's optical a lot drives going on. <laughs> There's, so like, one thing that I, that I picked up that I didn't catch from the keynote is that there is a USB-A port and two SATA ports on the inside. Hmm. And the idea here is you can add SATA drives to it, you can also upgrade and replace the SSD sticks that go into the T2. Very nice. Yep. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we talk about expansion, but they were very, that, what they meant by modular is not a bunch of boxes that connect together, but it is even more modular in terms of oh, the yeah. I.O. Than, than any of the Mac Pros that came before, which is nice. Yeah, like they, they actually want people to use those SATA ports, although there's no like bays, so like what you connect to those has to be mounted somewhere, so it'd probably like just be wired to a card that goes out of the computer or something, but it's there if you need to use it. Somebody will make stuff to use it. The USB-A port inside is useful if you have like some kind of app like Maya, where where you, they, they still use those like hardware, uh, hardware DRM dongle, dongles. Yeah. That still happens. Yes, apparently it does. Oh my! And they're word. usually USB A, and so that's that's what that's for. You can just like mount it inside and just always have it, uh, or you can you know you can come up with stuff. The I/O card that goes into the into the PCI X4 slot on the end, the I/O card is optional. You can take it out and just put any other card there you want. Like if you don't need those like four ports it offers, you can just take it out. And put something else uh, there for great savings, right, Marco? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, but the thing Probably with that not. is, the thing with that is, though, that if you know whatever comes after Thunderbolt, so I look at your ancient cheese grater from 15 years ago. I'm sorry, 10 years ago, and you don't have like USB C. And you, you can add it, but you'd be stuck with those other ports. Yeah. Yeah. So you could take out this I/O board and mm-hmm. then put in your new I/O board with things that have happened since I don't know. 50 years ago, because I feel like your computer is effectively 50 years old at this point. In computer years, yeah. Yeah, and so you can easily upgrade just that portion of the machine, yeah, which the, is really clever. Yeah, the only thing you're stuck with, I guess, is the ports on the top of the case, which is like three Thunderbolt 3 or something like that. Two, I think, yeah. It's, uh, yeah there's not much, but yeah, everything else. And then, else. The, then the, two gig, yeah, the two 10 gig Ethernets, you're stuck with those. But everything else, all the other I.O. Is, is optional. Yeah, and it's like, they really, like... If, if we predicted what we did predict, like, we were trying to guess, like, how modular does modular mean, right? And we were all, I think, underestimating how modular this yeah, being. This is way more there, modular. There are more slots than we thought. When we, when we go through all the things that are inside this case, we got the one CPU part, right? There's just one CPU. I, I think there's like 8, 12, and 28 cores. I don't know if there's a 10 core mixed in there, but they're yeah, all, I asked, all I asked about that, too. Well, no, there's, I think there's like 8, 16, and, and it doesn't matter. But I asked about, like, you know, what's the deal with these CPUs? I thought maybe they might be Xeon E7s, but I don't think they are. Uh, because the fact is, like, they, they basically put, like, in, in the previous like in the iMac Pro and everything else, usually you're limited by about like 160 watt TDP, like the thermal limit of the processor. That's, that's like what the cooling and enclosure is built for. And that limits like how many cores you can run for how, at what speeds, for how long, you're just limited by thermals. This one, 
they're using, I think, a 280-watt TDP chip, and the, the cooling system on it is made for 300 watts. So they actually over-provision the cooling system, and they say that it can sustain full turbo speeds for quite a while. Like, yeah. it, possibly indefinitely. I don't know. I didn't get that far. But, like, you know, it's, it's hard to get people to nail, nail things down like that. But, like, this thing is made for very high thermal performance as, as like, number one thing. So... There's tons of headroom. As Intel gets worse at making their chip roadmap happen, and as their CPUs keep getting hotter over time, uh, this is going to be able to handle that for a while. And having that thermal headroom allows it to get away with not having two CPU sockets for most people's needs because you can run these very high core count giant Xeon chips in there that need massive heat dissipation, and it actually works. So given what they've done with the cooling and everything else, I am totally fine with this being single socket. Yeah, and they, and they use most of the cooling for what we didn't expect, which is the huge number of other slots in there. So there's 12 RAM slots, which is a lot, and you could you know, put enough RAM in it to buy a more expensive car. Um, <laughs> the store, storage is just like the iMac, it seems like. A 4 terabyte max, that's fine. Um, Two, 10 gig Ethernet they got, but eight PCI slots, right? So then, And they divide these up in a weird way. So one of them is the little half-length one, which is just for like your regular I.O. if you want some ports in the back. Um, I'll get back to that one in a second because I'm a little bit like the utility of the modularity of this Mac depends entirely on how many people make things that you can stick in it besides Apple, which I'm a little bit worried about. But they've got the, the four double wide slots, two of which are the, the MPX bays. It's confusing. Like if you look at their slot diagram, like there's double wide slots, but then there's a second slot next to two of the double wide slots for those giant cards with the huge cooling thing in it for their double GPU stuff. Then there's three single wide slots, and then there's the half length slot. There's a lot of slots in this thing, and it just makes me think, who besides Apple will make stuff that goes in there? Obviously, Apple's going to make enough stuff to go in there to spend all of your money, but years down the road, will Apple make new things to go in there? Will they introduce new GPUs to go in there? Will they support third-party stuff to go in there? It seems like a lot of room in that case, so I really hope all... They didn't announce, like, here are our third-party vendors for their, like, whatever weird cards that people need for video editing that I don't know about. Um, they, they announced the F, F, uh, FPGA? Chat room, help me out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the FPGA, that, that's, the, uh, that's the afterburner card, is an FPGA. Yeah, field gate program over. Anyway, the thing where they make a custom uh, ASIC that does a thing really fast and lets them run 8K video, and that's cool. And that's an example of one of those cool cards that you can stick in one of those many slots. But there are a lot of slots. And so when they say modular, it seems like they mean tons and tons of slots and not a lot of stuff that's mandatory to come with the computer. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I think also like the, the the little bits we've picked up here and there, and some questions I got to ask were like in in the area of future card expandability and card compatibility. I think we can look at what happened with the Cheese Grater Mac Pro. There were you know not like not every PC card in the world was compatible with it, but there were a good deal of cards across all different kinds of needs. There were like you know disc cards. Later on, there were like USB three cards. You could add USB three to your ancient computer. Hardware uh, RAID cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardware RAID, fiber channel, kind of you know all this like high end pro stuff. Plus, plus like some nice consumer stuff like storage expansion and upgradable ports and stuff like that. And that's all supported with this. I was also told that the the MPX slots. You don't have to use them as MPX slots. Yeah, you can just use them as regular double-wide slots. There's that yeah. second connector if you need it, which provides more power and all sorts of other stuff. Did they say whether other people can make MPX modules or just Apple? I don't think... I didn't get a read on that, but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But you don't have to use MPX GPUs necessarily yeah, in the future. put a regular one in. You can put a regular GPU in there, and if there's, it, like, if there's a driver that supports it, they also, like, there, there, will, there will be power headers available for like, the extra power connector on the back of the PC cards and everything. So, like... There's a lot going on in there. Like they, they really did this right. The expansion story, I think, is great because 
you know, even if Apple drops the ball and never makes more of these MPX modules again, which is a risk, honestly, you know, look at their track, track record. They have to prove to us that that's not going to happen over time, right? But So it is a risk that they never update this thing again. They never touch it again. There's never more cards available. But I think they've built this thing in such a way that as long as somebody's willing to have a driver for some card in the future, they can have other people make GPUs. They can have other people make other, other devices and everything. And I think it's going to be reasonably expandable. And it's going to be I think very similar to the cheese grater, if not more, you know, more expandable over time than that because of all the options and headers and power things they've built into this one. They've got the power supply for it. They've got a 1.4 kilowatt power supply, which interestingly... Which is bananas. Which interestingly, like, 1.5 kilowatts is the maximum that you're allowed to sell a consumer device that continuously operates. Well, yeah, because isn't, isn't that the limit of, some, uh, the limit of what you yeah, can plug a, into a, a regular a 15, outlet? 15 amp circuit at, at, at 110 volts in this country, uh, yeah. you're, the, the law is that you can do 80% of max capacity. So 1,500, kilo, uh, you know, 1500 watts is the maximum for any device that's just going to be on like all the time, not like a toaster or a microwave that can be on briefly or whatever. So they're close to maxing out how much power they can even put in a case like that. So that's good. Plenty of headroom there as long as the power supply is quiet and everything. And by the way, Marco, <laughs> at this point, Marco is the only one who's actually seen this device in person and talked to Tim Cook about it. But uh, <laughs> two Talks of us, uh, Casey generous. and I, are going to see it tomorrow morning, which Casey is very excited about. Oh, overjoyed. I cannot even begin to tell you. All right, before, uh, before we wrap up, just the Mac Pro Tower, before we get to the display, let's just cover the, the price of just the tower before we talk about any other stuff. All they said about the price, as far as I'm aware, and it's not even on their website anymore, I think, is $5,999 for the base config, which is a 1000 more than I thought it would be. It comes with 32 gigs of RAM, which is fine. It comes with 256 gig SSD, which is garbage. And it comes with the Radeon <laughs> 580X, which I guess is fine. But that, that SSD, that really hurts for a $6,000 computer. Yeah. That really hurts. Yeah, because like the iMac Pro, they started a terabyte for $1,000 less with a built-in monitor that's really good. So this pricing, it hurts. But I, I think, you know, modern Apple... It's like the project management triangle. It's like, you know, the fast, cheap, and good pick two. With Apple, it's like, you know, does it exist? And is it too expensive? Pick, you know, pick one, I guess. Like, <laughs> it's the, the project management line segment. Like, it's- I mean, like, let's put it this way. Like, what we got is like, it is expandable. It is upgradable. It has all the capabilities, but the default config is no good. Like, so, and, and they didn't give us any more pricing. And as far as I could tell in the Mad Dash running around today, there is no place on the website where you can say, but what would it cost for me to get the four terabyte SSD? What would it cost for me to upgrade the GPU? All we've got is that one number, which is 6K for the base config just for this tower, which... It's not completely unreasonable. Again, $1,000 more than I thought it would be. The upgrades will probably cost about what they do on the iMac Pro. So at, at this point in the presentation, I was like, great, they did it. It's the mega grader. It has all the things. It has all the ports. I don't really know anything about the GPUs they were talking about, but there sure seemed to be a lot of them. They seem to be super proud of them. And I was like, good, fine, I believe you. Uh, and it's available in the fall, which uh, ends on December 20th. So there's your, <laughs> <laughs> your deadline. So we'll, we'll see you at your local Apple store on the well, 19th. Well, I mean, I feel like we should take a break before that, but we will get to the display after, which is a more problematic area. <laughs> We are sponsored this week by Linode, my favorite web host. With Linode, you can get a server running in seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Whatever you want to build, you can build it on Linode. Hosted services, websites, 
CI and CD environments. Do you know what those are? I think you do, right? I do. Yes. Yeah. So if you're Casey, you can build are. CI Everybody and CD Everybody but you knows, Marco. Yeah, exactly. For all the unit testing and RX, uh, you know, combine you're going to be doing. So distributed applications like Overcast is on there, you know, and so much more. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, industry-leading Xeon processors, and every instance can be in any of their 10 data centers worldwide. And they're always adding more data centers. So whatever your needs are, they got you covered. They recently added Toronto, Canada. They're adding Mumbai, India by the end of the year. They're on top of it. Now, I've been with Linode for eight years now. I currently run about 30 server instances there. How many Linode customers do we have in the audience? I see a lot of hands. That's good. a lot of hands. But it isn't 100%, so keep sponsoring us. So here's... I got to say, Linode is the best. I've been using them for eight years, and it is the best host I have ever used. And I've used a lot of web hosts. They have a great control panel. They have amazing performance, great support when I need it. And most importantly, it's by far the best value I have ever seen in web hosting. And it isn't like some temporary sale they're having. They have been the best web value, sorry, they've been the best value in web hosting for the entire eight years that I've been with them. So what's great about this too is like whenever technological progress allows them to offer more for less money, they do. So over time, your Linode servers get faster and cheaper automatically. It's amazing. So all their plans feature hourly billing with monthly caps, so you always know what you're going to pay for what you need and for what you use and everything. There's never any surprises at the end of the month. And their plans start at just 5 bucks a month. That gets you a server with 1 gig of RAM, and they can also, of course, accommodate any higher needs from there, including specialty things like high memory plans, dedicated CPUs, load balancers, managed backups, and so much more. So check it out today. New customers can get a $20 credit at linode.com ATP using promo code ATP2019. That could be four months free on that $5 a month plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you got nothing to lose. So linode.com slash ATP, promo code ATP2019 for a $20 credit. Thank you so much to Linode for keeping all of my servers running, most of your servers running apparently, and for sponsoring our show. All right, John, what's next? The display. So I have to, let me interrupt you, actually. So at this point, sitting next to John, the, the excitement is, is palpable. He's buzzing. Uh, I, I was also Googling trypophobia, but yeah. <laughs> well, that's oh, also God. True. Why? That's also true. Don't. Yeah, with all, with all the highs, there come lows, and we'll find another We're low in a minute. We're putting this link in the show notes, you know. Just don't, cl- don't tap don't it. Don't click it. Don't, don't do it. We're not linking to that, no. <laughs> it's got to go on the sh- people. I might be mispronouncing it. People need to know. The Wikipedia page is safe. Oh. It's mostly text. Anyway, just, just let's move on. So, Where's that uh, Tito's? Uh, yeah, it's right here. Here, here. <laughs> feel free. Uh, but anyway, there's the point is John, so is, John is so happy at this point. He's so excited. And then we start talking about the display, and he's getting more excited. Why were you so excited, John? Is this oh, I saw it early on. They sh- in the intro video, I saw the display. I saw it had the same matching weird holes thing, but it was on the back. Uh, and I saw the stand that it was on, and the stand looked like an adjustable stand. Like In the interview, I'm like, adjustable stand, adjustable stand. I can't believe it's going to happen. No, I this is true. It- he said this to me in the keynote. Like, and I'm like, what are you even talking about? And then and he's losing his mind. I thought the slot in the back of the stand thingy on the monitor was like that you would slide the monitor up and down, and it would ride in that slot. That is not the case. It is an adjustable stand, but that's not the mechanism. That slot on the back is just for when you rotate it, which is awesome. When you rotate it to portrait (laughs) mode, now you have a way to get at the ports. Otherwise, they'd be hidden by the stand. 
Um, I think this whole design is also a little homely, like the stand is very stout or whatever, but it, it's adjustable. It's got like that weird spring-loaded thing that the iMac G4 had in the arm, if anyone remembers that computer. So I'm excited about the stand. I was excited about the display. Um, it's, not, it's not wide like we thought it was going to be, right? Because we, oh, this is so weird. We could see them on stage. Like we're so, we could, you know, they were all on stage. They wheeled them out during the video or whatever. And I was like, those are the new monitors, right? Do they come in two sizes? Because they look so small because we were so far away. Did you get that impression? I did, actually. And, I, and we had been, the rumors that we had heard were that they were crazy wide. And that, maybe it is the case. I mean, well, you tell me. Spoiler, you've seen them. they are really big. They are okay yeah, because from, from the audience in the keynote, they look so tiny. Yeah, they really honestly did. Yeah, but then but anyway, we knew they weren't wide, and then they announced what the size they were, and they showed that diagram. Here's the 4K display, here's the 5K, and here's the 6K, and the 6K is just bigger than the 5K in the exact same dimension. So it's like it's everything that we wanted out of a monitor. I said I, w- I wanted it to be higher res than the 5K, and I preferred it not to be ultra wide, and it's not. It's the same proportions. Uh, I don't have to look at the back of it. The stand is adjustable. I was super excited. Then they went through like the specs on it, which are pretty amazing. Like the the 1,000 nits sustained is, I mean, it's not that good in, in the grand scheme of uh, LED backlit televisions or whatever, but it's good for something with the claim specs that they have. And by the way, that we talked about this in the show before. The tech they have is like the backlight is broken up into little segments, and they just turn the segments on that they need to turn on so you can have blacker areas where they turn the backlight off. That's not as good as OLED. The segments in the behind the screen are not the size of a pixel. I don't know how many there are, but they look to be maybe like a centimeter or two square, right? There we go, 574 wow. in the back. So, so 574 Thanks is good, but it's, that's not even close to a number of pixels. So OLED is still better. So in TV terms, this is not, you know, that's what they talked about, minimizing blooming. That's like if you had a completely black screen and then just white text in the middle. They have to turn on the segments that are behind that white text, but this is going to be segments that they turn on in the backlight that aren't behind text, that are behind black. So they're trying to reduce that bloom or whatever. So it supports HDR, wide color, 10-bit color, all the great things they can do. It's got a fan in it. Just Two one. fans in it. Oh, no. Oh, I thought it was just one. Yeah, yeah I mean, one on each side. I'm I was hoping be, there were speakers, but they're fans. I'm assuming it was going to be quiet. But, but at this point, I'm still excited about them. Like, they're doing what they could do. They can't make an OLED that big with that resolution because, yeah, you can make an OLED, but it can't be like 6K in a 32-inch thing. I don't think that's even possible technologically. And if it was, it would cost even more money, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, and, you know, so good. Everything's, I'm getting the Mac Pro that I want. I'm getting the monitor I want. And then they started talking about the price. Let me, let me just hand you this bottle yeah. of Tito's, John. If I, if I, I drank, right there for I you. would be drinking that. God. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of money. I mean. Also, well, before we even get to the, the, the real things that hurt, they did mention, oh, we're going to, we have this matte option, which is neat. Like, great. They've talked to pros. Some people like the glossy finish, like on the, the 5K Mac. Some people like matte. Great to offer both. I was like, oh, no, now I'm going to have to choose. Do I want the matte or not? I can't really decide because I like the 5K iMac. I don't, my office doesn't have a lot of glare. It's not a big deal. Or maybe I'll have this cool nano texture. Like, we didn't want to put a, a surface finish on. We're going to texture it with lasers or whatever. Like, great. Good job, Apple. And then I think this is the point where they said, and so the standard one is $5,000. I'm like, oh, that really hurts. That really hurts. And they said, and then the nano textured one is $6,000. I'm like, What? No, I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen, I, and I know you can't hear this, or you can't see me on the show, but his head fell into his hands <laughs> in just utter misery. It's $1,000 for a matte display option. It's like they're trolling us. Remember, we're like, I don't like your, <laughs> I don't like your glossy screens. I would pay $100 extra for a matte option if you gave it to me. He's like, would you pay $1,000? <laughs> yeah. The answer is, like, probably not. Like, Jesus Christ. 
So. Well, and then my favorite part. <laughs> my favorite part of this keynote was after that they, as quickly as possible, said, "And the stand is nine ninety nine." And yes. then, w- and then they basically ran off the stage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so that- t- I've never seen Tim Cook speak faster than when he introduced the next segment after that. It was like, we want to sweep that right away. (laughs) Yeah, and that was the word. I'm just recovering my math thing. And and I thought I had misheard it. Like, I thought I heard that the the stand was $200, which I'm like, oh, it's such an expensive monitor. And then the stand is $200? What a (laughs) ripoff. It was only like after the keynote was over that I looked at the prices like, no, no. The visa amount, Jason Snell, is two hundred dollars. Yes. The visa amount. So if you buy the monitor, like it has, it's just a loose monitor. You can just chuck it on your floor. Like you can, you can lean it against your wall. You can prop it up against the books or something. You can have like a, a small child hold it up for you. But you can't, you can't connect it to anything. If you want a visa mounted, two hundred bucks. And if you want that stand. A stand is $1,000. What is it made out of? They, they used to sell you an entire iMac G4 for $1,700. It came with an arm that's cooler than that one and that whole computer and a whole monitor attached to it. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, and it's just really, it's really hurting me because I want that monitor. Who doesn't want the monitor? It's better than a 5K iMac. Like, so we all wanted. And I, want, I want this Mac and I want this monitor. But those prices, don't, I, I can't process them. So It's almost, John, as though they said, you want a Mac Pro? Well, <laughs> screw you. Here's it's not, your Mac but it's Pro. not the Mac Pro. We talked about the Mac Pro. Like, so you're off by 1000 Fine, right? It's the monitor. And yeah, like, so, yeah, yeah. fine, the monitor is expensive. Oh, it's $5,000, $6,000 for the silly mat option. The stand, that, that's, that's a bridge too far. We, we never had a segment. How much do you think the stand will cost? <laughs> it's not, yeah. No one is even thinking that. They're finding what's next. It's going to come. The monitor is going to come, but there's going to be no cable, and the cable to connect it is fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> I don't. Here's here's what I hope. This is coming out in the fall. I hope between now and then, somehow, someone says, "Come on, come on, like give us a discount if you buy both the monitor and the stand." For all those people who are just going to buy the stand and like pet it every day and plant orchids on it, if you buy the monitor with the stand, we give you some kind of combination discount. Yeah, like <sighs> if you want. Like when when they did the stand thing and they blew right by it, I was like, surely they mean an extra one because they talked about like you can take it off and bring it with you, so you would have a second yeah, it one. Yeah, attaches maybe. magnetically. It would be cool if we weren't all like yeah. incensed. Unfortunately, at the price. that's that's not what they meant. They meant the first one. So if you want the mat configuration, which by the way, I gotta say I, I've seen these. You want the mat configuration? I'll get to that in a second. But like, if you want the mat configuration and you don't have a small child to hold it up for you, it's gonna be seven thousand dollars. For a screen, for a screen, that's yeah. just nuts. And and to, you know, in context, like when the thirty inch first came out, it was what, like three thousand, thirty five hundred, something came like on that. The stand. <laughs> Touche, sir. Touche. You know, and if you it do, was like, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> and it was Matt. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, if you do like inflation adjusted, you don't really get there, I don't think. But if you if you do the the you know modern Apple of it's forty percent more than you want it to be. It's still pretty expensive, actually. I can't. I can't even justify it this way. I, I no, can't you can't. Like forty percent is under. But, so, but yeah. But I gotta say though, it's a really nice screen. It's <laughs> really so. nice. I wonder so, if Marco will get one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The only question is how many. Uh, 
It's I'm not doing you can, six. You can connect six. You surround yeah. you can surround your room with them. Like with get them without the stand, you can use them as wainscoting, just like <laughs> Yeah, all right. I'm pretty sure you could heat your room with those too. That's true. But uh no, it's it, it so three things will jump out at you about this. Number one, it is significantly larger than you think it is. It, it was, it's similar to when we went from 24-inch monitors to 30-inch monitors. It's a similar jump. Not quite as much, relatively speaking, but it's similarly like, wow, that's a lot of screen space. So if you're always running out of screen space and you don't want to spend $7,000 on getting like six or seven other monitors that you can arrange in a nice grid, <laughs> this is a really like compelling solution if you if you want it all on one screen and you would love to set money on fire so which actually kind of matches me if I if was I'm thinking it but I didn't want to say it I do like one screen yeah anyway so uh, so and it also I wasn't blown away by like the contrast the colors yeah they're nice that's fine I don't have I guess the eye to really care the way John would about like you know that kind of stuff but you do notice the thing that what they said about there being like this extreme viewing angle is true. Like I, I actually, I, I was like moving my head back and forth, like going all the way to the side. I took some videos of like going like all the way to the side, and you see that screen clear as day until it is not until you're like at ninety degrees from it when it's physically blocked from your sight. The viewing angle is crazy good. The lamination does indeed make it look like it is painted on the surface of that screen. It is a really nice screen, and it took me a while to find a matte screen. Uh, like when I was like asking around, are there any of these matte? Is that one matte? Like I kept asking around, no one knew if there were any. Finally, I got to there was a, there was a pair in the photo area that was matte, and I could see it side by side. Look at videos of it. Look at how it reacted to the light and everything. It's glorious. Oh no! Because you know, like every everything that uh, that Colleen said on stage was true. Uh, that was uh, Colleen Novielli from uh, from Upgrade, actually, <laughs> and also she works on the iMac uh, <laughs> and other stuff. So. Everything she said, she said was true about, like, you know, usually matte films or, co- or coatings. It's, it's just like what we went, we went through with the matte screen printers for iPad. Like, matte coatings do usually have that kind of rainbow noise look, and there's a reason why we haven't seen a lot of them in the Retina era. They don't look very good. This looked nothing like those. It, it, it truly looked like there was no trade-off at all. There was no downside besides $1,000, but there was no other downside. You, don't, you didn't lose a good deal of color or brightness or sharpness. There was none of that. It was just substantially less reflective than the other ones. The only so, purpose this serves is when trying to negotiate about someone else in your life who cares about how much money you spend. Uh, it's like, look, how about, how about this? How about I don't get the mat, and with the savings, I get a stand. <laughs> <laughs> now suddenly it's reasonable. I just so, yeah. I, I so, can't imagine. In conclusion, wow, that's expensive. But it's really nice. And the system as a whole, like to wrap this up, uh, this we wanted them to make like, you know, Halo car, uh, the most powerful Mac ever, something that has a reason to exist separate from the iMac. Like they did all of that. They put a stake in the ground way at the high end, which is absolutely what we wanted them to do. No doubt about it. It's not like they had any half measures. They put it really far in the ground, like far up high, way to the right on the super most expensive thing, which is, I think, what they had to do. You don't want to come out with your middle of the road thing. No one is looking at this and saying, yeah, but why would I want this when I can have an iMac Pro? That's not a question anybody's asking. So I think, in general, this is a rousing success. But they put it 
so at such high end that I feel like they made room. They made room between the iMac <laughs> Pro and the Mac Pro. Like there's room for I don't know a more reasonably priced Mac Pro. <laughs> Same thing with the monitor. Like, do, do, who would like a 6K monitor but doesn't care about 10-bit color? Right. Lots of people, but Apple doesn't make that product. So they've they've now done what we said and staked out the high ground and then the iMac Pro is like the mid-range now or whatever and then everything else is garbage down <laughs> at the bottom and now there's this big gap where you could make a computer that is less gargantuan than their top of the line right so I, I don't anticipate anything like that but I, I feel like just I know what one of the audience is planning to buy this computer you shouldn't buy this computer they're going to transition to ARM and it's going to be useless and you're going to have spent like 12 grand on something that that's like Buy it if you know you're going to make money on contracts for your actual work with it, <laughs> such that it makes sense to buy this now and you know use it for three or four years. Don't buy it expecting to use it for ten years, Mike, because you won't. You know, buy it if you're Marco, right? Buy it if if you've waited ten years to get one and this is your hobby or whatever. But like, but this is so high end that you know if you need this computer, most people don't, and that's why I feel like there is this gap that they could potentially they could fill with a revised uh, iMac Pro because there's still room to revise that thing. But overall, I'm very happy that they they planted their flag. They there is a new biggest baddest Mac. No one is disputing that this is the biggest baddest Mac. It's a little ugly. <laughs> Super expensive, uh, but overall, I'm very happy. All right, so I would like to know what your buying plan is, but perhaps we should take a quick break. And I also have another question before that, too. We are also sponsored this week by Mac Weldon, my favorite and most frequently worn brand of clothing. Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. And they will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. Now, I wear Mack Weldon's clothes literally every day, usually more than one piece. So right now, I'm wearing two. I'm wearing the silver underwear, which I'm not going to show you, but oh, come on. I wear it every single day. It makes up my entire underwear collection, which I, of course, wanted to share with you. And uh, I'm also right now wearing the silver undershirt. That's here. And the silver line is my favorite, especially in the summer. They use real antimicrobial silver in the material, and this eliminates odor. I love the silver shirts in the summer because really I can go all day without without stinking. See, you no, just, I, I test you just it. leaned I over it. and tried yeah. to smell me, and I didn't smell. No, you didn't. And the reason why, like even like in the summertime, I can like go outside like at the beach, not even sh- before I've even showered that day, come back, and if I'm wearing one of these, I will not stink. It is a miracle, and that's why I don't wear anything else all summer long. I'm wearing Mack Weldon silver t-shirts. Now, of course, they also have a wide range of other materials. Uh, they have the best Pima cotton shirts I found, long sleeve too, really good. Performance air knit material for working out. Wonderful warm knit sweaters that I love in the wintertime. A fabulous tech cashmere blend that you just launched last winter that's also really nice. So much more than that. It is so good at Mack Weldon that when I changed sizes recently, I replaced most of my wardrobe with Mack Weldon. It is really that good. I wear it every single day, and honestly, you should too. So if you don't know where to start, I would say start with the silver t-shirts or the famous silver underwear. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it, and they will still refund you no questions asked. So for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and for code ATP at checkout. That's MacWeldon.com, code ATP for 20% off your first order. Thank you so much to Mac Weldon for keeping me feeling and smelling great all year long and for sponsoring our show.
All right, so God help me for continuing this conversation any longer, but I actually have a question. Who is this computer for? Because it's uh, we're all developers, the three of us, and most of the people in the room, actually. And so our natural inclination is to say, well, of course, it's for us. But it seemed to me like Apple thinks that this computer is for, like, the Todd Vaziris of the world who are doing, like, video editing or perhaps photo, photo editing or something like that. So do you feel, and I'll start with Marco, do you feel like this is a computer for your role? Maybe, if, of course, it's a computer for Marco, but is it a computer for you as a software developer? Probably not. Right, like, exactly. I, I think, you know, obviously there's going to be high-end needs where, like, if you are actually spending a lot of time all day waiting on your compiler while it's maxing out all of your cores, or if you have high-end GPU needs, like, you know, there are people who this is for, but honestly, they, they needed to do what we thought was going to be very challenging, which is differentiate this from the iMac Pro somehow. And the iMac Pro has to justify itself above the regular iMac, which, you know, the regular iMac is great. I used one for years as my main computer, as my, you know, developing most of Overcast during that time. Like, it was great. Most people are fine with the regular iMac. They don't even need the Pro. The iMac Pro is awesome. It is by far my favorite computer I've ever owned. I'm extremely happy with it. And if I wasn't me, I would just stick with it. <laughs> Like, but of course, I, I have to buy the Mac Pro. I just have to. But honestly, like, the iMac Pro is fantastic and covers so much of that middle ground. I actually don't like. You know, John was saying a few minutes ago, like that there's there's kind of a gap left between it and the Mac Pro. I don't think there's that much of a gap there. The iMac Pro. I mean, we'll have to see. I guess when pricing comes out for the Mac Pro configurations. But the iMac Pro is really good and covers a huge range of needs that aren't covered by the base iMac, which itself covers almost everyone's needs. So. I would say this computer is for, again, the money fire crowd, but also the, just if you really know that you need it. And this is why like, the visual appeal of it and largely the price of it aren't that relevant. Yeah. For mo because like, the people buying it are not like individuals who are saving up their pennies for 10 years uh, <laughs> while, they, you know, while they justify having like, a tower. Like, that's not who this is for. You can get it anyway, please, John. You will. You will. So those it, people who are buying the forty-three thousand dollars reference monitor, they don't care about a thousand dollars stand. Like it's like when you buy anything for those sort of studio environments or even just office equipment. That just everything costs a bazillion dollars. Like yeah, there's probably a little chance of them complaining about the prices. They'd be like, whatever, just put it on our bill, like with all the rest of our stuff. But yeah, that's that's who it's for for people who people who know they need it. People, all those people in the pro labs are like, we want all these slots to put all these cards in. We do this stuff with AK video. We want to do multiple streams without having a proxy workflow where we have to convert it to a, another format and work with it in that format. And then, like, that's who it's for. Like, and those and here's the thing: those people's needs were not met by the iMac Pro, right? So this this is a this is not a computer that's looking for an audience. It has an audience. The audience influenced its design and turned it into what it is. The reason I think there's a gap is you know there's always there's always some gap, right? You can always look at this and say. Give it to me with half the slots, only with only one MPX slot in it, um, and with with like a smaller, less fancy case. And give me a 6K monitor that's not as fancy as this one. That's just a regular LCD panel. It's like the 5K panel, but it's 6K. Apple won't make that computer probably, but that's that's where the slot that's where the gap is between the iMac Pro, like a modular computer that is still more expandable than the iMac Pro, but that doesn't have all the fancy things that these people say they needed, right? And I'm. It's not a big gap. Like this, probably they're never going to make that computer. It's fine to have this thing out on the high end, and it's well differentiated. And the more they fill the gap, the less differentiation there is. Um, but but I think the gap is there. But no, but there's, there's no question about who this is for. They people people who this is for know it's for them, and they're the ones who made it what it is. 
everything maybe maybe except like the weird holes in it, right? But, but even the, <laughs> even the wheels. When I saw the wheels, like someone told them that. Someone told them they have to roll things around in the editing bay. I'm like, that's a good idea. Putting wheels on it, it seems stupid. That's a good idea for the customers that want it. Same thing with rack mounting. Like I, I don't think this is a product without a customer. No, but, definitely not. And and the reality is like the customers who buy it. Six grand, seven grand, that's a drop in the bucket. Like, if you're editing 8K footage, your 8K camera probably cost a substantial amount of money. The lenses you're using on that probably cost a substantial the, amount of money. The Pelican All the cases you using... carry it in probably cost more than that stand. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Like, y- the crew that you have to hire to film this costs way more than six grand. Like, you're dealing with industries that this cost is totally worth it to them because of the time it saves them or the things it allows them to do or the like ruggedness or the sure thing that it offers and the reliability like these kind of products have this kind of market and in, in every specialty industry like you know AV you know scientific stuff there is definitely a market the market is just not the kind of person who likes to just buy a PC tower and expand it over time and that that does leave people behind but the fact is apple left those people behind in 2012 not today like yeah, well put like and they were, they're, Apple's never going to make the X Mac that everybody wants. They're never going to make like the twelve hundred dollar mid tower that has slots. Like, I mean, they, but they did make the uh, the Mac Pro. Like those cheese graters actually did fall in this middle slot because they were yeah. they were kind of good for the high end, but they didn't go as far as this thing goes, right? And they did extend out. They always had the like I said the stripper model, the low end Mac Pro, where you it was the same case, they, right? They but it only had one too. CPU instead of two. Right, like so, it's not like they've never been down in that realm. It's just that, like, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be down there right now. They should plant the flag, which they did. Maybe we'll see if they fill in that other area. It also depends on how fast they update this. What kind of like update cycle is it on? Are they going to bump the GPUs in this every time a new GPU comes out? Are they going to put it on a yearly cycle? Is it so pro that they can go two years between because it's so expandable that their customers don't care? You know, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Well, and also, like, you know, the, the the time where the cheese grater came out in two thousand six. That was a very different time in hardware than it is today. Like back then, you needed a big expandable tower with the four drive bays and everything just to get really good performance. This was before SSDs, laptop CPUs still pretty much sucked. Like, it, it, well, they kind of still do, but it was it was before a lot of modern advances and and back when we still were really pushing our hardware to its limits, even for common use cases. So back then, a lot more people wanted slash needed an expandable tower, but that market has really dwindled over time. And on the PC side, you have gamers that want that. Apple does not care about that market at all, and they never have. And the Mac Pro never solved that very well. And sure at, beyond gamers, awesome. you don't really have a lot of people who really need tower performance. Most people are most people need to be satisfied by laptops or iMacs. So if they're going to make this computer, they don't really need to address the old you know, people, people who want towers because those people mostly aren't there or have mostly moved to PCs. And there's also, like, you have to consider, like, this is Apple. Apple needs this to be worthwhile for them. I think the, the way they made the iMac Pro worthwhile to them was by starting it at the terabyte, 32 gig configuration, and therefore being able to price it at $5,000. So the cheapest, iPad, the cheapest iMac Pro you can buy is $5,000, and I think Apple kind of made that worthwhile on, on their spreadsheet to make, it, to make this product by saying, well, we're not going to sell this in large volume. We're going to milk every penny of the people who want it, right? And I think this is a more extreme step in that direction. They need the Mac Pro to be worth it. They've already eaten away a lot of its market share with laptops, iMacs, and iMacs and iMac Pros. So they're going to sell not a high volume of these things, and so it needs to be worth it to them. So, of course, they're going to make it extraordinarily expensive. Same deal with the display. Most people don't buy high-end displays anymore. So it's going to sell in low quantities. So if 
making these things cost a car is going to be is what Apple needs to justify making these products. Yeah, it sucks when it comes time to pay for, it, and it, it's going to leave a lot of people out. But the alternative is the spreadsheet saying, "Don't make these products at all." So. If given that choice on the project management line segment, I pick this. I, it, this is better than not having these products at all, and that really was going to be our, our alternative. That's right. Mm-hmm. Better than not existing at all, the new Mac Pro. <laughs> it's glowing <laughs> endorsement. All right, so with that in mind, John, are you going to buy one? I mean, I need to get to the point where I can do a configurator, you know, like see yeah, what the yeah. things are. It was like the monitor, we know what the monitor is and it's rough, but like, can I swing that? Uh, it really depends on when I go and upgrade the tower to reasonable specs because there's no way I'm getting it with a 256 gig SSD. Like when I, when I increase the video card to like the second best option with just the one GPU, but the good GPU. And when I increase the storage, like how much does it all come to? Um, and... We're assuming, I mean, I'm probably going to let Marco go first. Like, we're assuming all this stuff is actually reliable and not finicky and not weird, right? Because there's a potential it could be finicky and weird. Like, that, you know, happened with the trash can, right? So my plan is to price it out and see if I could swing it. I definitely want it. I don't want to get it and then have it be finicky because then I'll be super pissed. Um, So (laughs) probably Marco will get it first, and he will be our guinea pig. And while he is telling us what it's like, I will be configuring it every day and... Looking at my bank account and then configuring it and looking at my bank account and configuring it and just doing do you, that. Do you think they're going to sell 10-year AppleCare? The AppleCare, this is the best AppleCare deal you ever get. I think it's like 200 bucks for three years of AppleCare on your $20,000 computer. Ugh, I don't <laughs> That is actually an interesting question. There is at least a feasible possibility, a legitimate possibility, that you will pay as much for a computer as you did for your car. Nah, no. That's not I don't know, happen. man. I don't know. My wife is listening to this now. Somehow, is going to say no. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> See, how do you not buy the display? That's my question. I know exactly, you have to. You exactly. have to buy the display. Like I'm not. I'm not buying this thing without the display. So it's either I'm getting it all or I'm not getting it. Right? And, and to, to be clear. I'm not saying to you, the audience, how do you not buy it? Because do, nobody should one, buy it. How does a Marco but, not buy the display? Yeah, but how do you? How, no, how do you? You're not going to look at a Dell no, monitor. No, I want I, because then what monitor would you get with it? If you just get the tower and you're like, well, this is, I got this awesome tower. What are you connected to that LG 5K? No, thanks. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right, like, so, like an animal. <laughs> like an animal. So, Marco, I guess my question for you is: Are you buying a monitor? For home and for the beach, are you buying <laughs> only one stand and visa mounting in the other location? Like, how how many of these things are you buying? Is I think what we're really wanting to know. Is the answer what I should buy? No, the answer is what are or you what going? I will buy. Yeah, because we all know what you should buy. What I should buy is none of this. I should just keep my iMac Pro because it's awesome and it, it's it satisfies all my needs and it's relatively portable. Yeah, you have a great carrying case. <laughs> exactly. Compared to this, it's way easier to bring out there. So actually, I shouldn't buy any of this. That being said, <laughs> so that being said, I'm I'm almost certain to buy a Mac Pro. Uh, I will. I do want the monitor. I want the mat. I want the stupid stand. So I'm gonna buy a seven thousand dollar monitor, and I feel really horrible like saying that out loud, but it's gonna happen. And oh, we all know it's gonna happen. That's not up for grabs. Yeah, it's, it's just gonna one. Happen. Just one monitor. At least just one for home. Yeah. See, here, I'm, here's I'm looking at Tiff it. now. Is he just buying one? No. Yeah, she's saying no. Sugar has no. It seems like you might be getting two of these. I mean, my, my beach plan with portability, I think, is significantly hampered by the, the bulk of this machine. It's, it's awfully large. It, it really is about the same size as the cheese grater. Like, it's that size class, at least. And so it's very large, very heavy. That's not going to, like, fit in a backpack like the trash can kind of did. Like, it, it's, that's going to be 
a very big machine. So I might not bring it back and forth to the beach. I might just bring a laptop. Or who am I kidding? Maybe I'd get two. Who knows? But <laughs> my, my, my current plan... Oh, my God. <laughs> my current plan is to just get between zero and one Mac Pros and between one and two monitors. And with stands. Well, yeah, I'm not going to lean it against the wall. Well, you could get a Visa mount, man. I mean, you could you could go the Jason Snell route. I, I I've I've had I've had the various like Visa arms and everything, and I don't I don't like them. They're That's really fair. crappy. Like yeah. they they there was a time and a place for them. I used them a lot, like during my PC days when I had no taste, and and now <laughs> I now my my standards are precious and higher. Just like John, like can kind of can't bear to use the LG because it's kind of crappy. Like. I, that's how I am with like third-party stands. I've used them for a long time. I I can't do that anymore. I would rather not even. Get, I'd rather just keep my iMac Pro than not get this monitor if I get the Mac Pro. So let me ask a, a legitimate question. I thought during the keynote they said that it, some of the modern MacBook Pros could drive this monitor. Did I make that they up? They said or? the 15 inch can drive two of them. I yeah. don't know. Like maybe I don't know if it's like just the most recent one or we haven't. I'm sure the tech note is up somewhere, but uh, I don't know if the 13 inch can. But I think it probably could drive one, maybe or zero. Who knows? But the reality is, I mean, if you're buying a seven thousand dollar monitor, is it that big of a deal if it can't work with your one thousand dollar laptop? <laughs> Well, but that's the thing. Like, if if it, it's, I can see a solution in in the world of Marco, where you have a beach monitor. By solution, you mean justification? Yeah. Well, you have a, you have your daytime. I mean, your beach monitor and your nighttime. I mean, home monitor, and you just bring your MacBook Pro back and forth because that's easy and portable. And and the new MacBook Pros are getting ever faster. That is an option I probably should do, and I and I did it for a, a couple of summers. I did that option. Um, I just hate the MacBook Pro so much right now, and so maybe you know, like we'll see, like what changes this fall, like or this winter, whenever the 16-inch, if that if that's going to happen, if, that's, if that comes out, maybe that incorporates some of the screen stuff. Maybe it's better in all these various ways. I mean, look at all the computers they've designed since these terrible things. They, they since the since the 2016 Mac Pro or MacBook Pro, they've designed the new Mac Mini, which is awesome. The iMac Pro, which is awesome. The MacBook Air, which I think is kind of a half design, which is okay, but it was only a half design. And the Mac Pro, which is awesome. So I actually have pretty high hopes that they have their heads on right for the next MacBook Pro, too. So maybe the next MacBook Pro might change my mind about what I need to be portable. If I can get the beefy giant Mac Pro set up for home and then just bring the MacBook Pro and with I'll bring my crappy LG out there to die, like that's, that might be the summer setup. But uh, for now, I guess we'll wait and see. Seven thousand dollar monitor, no Face ID built in. That's another another mild disappointment. I guess Face ID is not particularly important feature to the customers who buy this, but it, I'm still kind of sad. Well, in two years, you can upgrade the monitor and spend another seven thousand yeah, sure. dollars on Face ID. <laughs> well, it would only be six. You can keep the stand. <laughs> <laughs> you think the next monitor is going to work with this stand? No. <laughs> I guess that is a little optimistic, if I'm honest. <laughs> All right, Casey, you're the one pro- prolonging this, but I feel like we're done. I feel like we've addressed the Mac Pro. I th- ha- I think happy Mac Pro Day, everybody. Yeah, happy Mac Pro Day, everyone. And congratulations, John Syracuse. <laughs> so happy. So, so incredibly happy. All right, do you want to get the last sponsor out of the way? Yes, and we can please. move on? All right. We are also sponsored this week by Boosted. So instead of sitting in traffic and searching for parking or like, you know, smelling some guy's sandwich on the bus, imagine riding the streets, wind in your hair on your own boosted electric vehicle. You can use Boosted to get where you need to be faster and happier. 
I mean, San Jose is kind of like the center of like personal electric travel, and it's <laughs> it's really nice as a concept. But you know what you get here is kind of you get kind of crappy vehicles. Boosted vehicles are vehicle grade electric skateboards and scooters. They are way better than what you're used to from like the rental companies. This is the modern solution to your transportation woes. With a 22-mile range and speeds of up to 24 miles an hour, which is really fast, actually, Boosted is perfect for everything from running to the store to traveling across town. It's designed to provide a luxurious experience, and it's no wonder that Boosted was one of Time Magazine's best inventions of 2018. So with five options to pick from, including their new scooter, the Boosted Rev, there is a personal electric vehicle that's tailor-made for you by Boosted. And there's no better time to change how you move than now, because Boosted's electric vehicles start at just $61 a month with financing. So right now, Boosted is offering our listeners $75 off the purchase of an electric vehicle when you use the code ATP at checkout. And I got to say, when you feel electric vehicle, like the acceleration and how, like just how much torque they have, how fast they are, it's so much fun. And to have that in a skateboard or a scooter that you can you know, zip around all the time, it's incredibly satisfying. And the Boosted stuff is so nice. Really, it is like the luxury of this market. So check it out today at BoostedBoards.com. Use code ATP at checkout to get $75 off your vehicle. That's BoostedBoards.com, promo code ATP at checkout for $75 off. Thanks to Boosted for sponsoring our show. So do we have time for anything else? I mean, <laughs> I, I, there was so much more. There really was. And I mean, I mean, I'm going to have a busy summer. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Like there there was the watch OS stuff, like independent apps on the watch. There's a new audio streaming API. I haven't looked at the details yet, but I might be able to like, you know, do that kind of thing. There's the little app store, the little cute little app store on the watch. Yeah. It's so cute. Uh, I don't know how usable it's gonna be, and maybe search should be better, but it's so cute. But it's so, adorable. Yeah, it's oh man, it's that they're really pushing hard on the watch, on it being its own thing, being a standalone platform, being independent. I am a little curious, like how long will it be before you can have a watch without a phone paired to it? I would assume very, very soon. I mean, two I, years out, you think? I, it might even be less than that. Like, I, in theory, what is holding it back today? I mean, you have to go through the the dance of setup, and that presumably would not be fun to do on a screen that small. But I mean, in theory, there's nothing that actively prevents it right now. And so I I agree. I suspect within a year, maybe two tops, that you will be able to buy an Apple Watch and have no iPhone paired with it. And I got to thinking the other day when this was starting to get rumored, you know, who would want to do that and why? And my limited understanding of the Android market for smartwatches is that it's fairly barren and nothing is that great. Now, that may be wrong, and I'm obviously biased, but I don't think there's a lot. I don't see very many of them. And the Apple Watch is getting so unbelievably good with health and fitness stuff. And it's doing such a great job at keeping you healthy, like the hearing stuff that that happened today, where it will tell you if the room is too loud and warn you that you should really consider like hearing protection or or removing yourself from from that environment. This is stuff that appeals to everyone. I don't care what phone you have or or don't. It's appealing to everyone. In the fall detection, if you perhaps have an older relative, I mean, all of this stuff is universally appealing. Hey, well, that's... uh, Come on! I'm sorry. So, Casey, just to John yeah. when saying your older relative. That's I, I actually that was accidental. I was just that waiting. was fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I meant it. I meant it. 
All right, I'll show Nothing myself like off. Sight gags on a podcast. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, where's that Tito's? Yeah, give, bring that back out. No, but all kidding aside, I mean, if you have an, an elderly relative that is prone to falling, someone much older than John, perhaps like the uh, age of your Mac Pro in human years. Uh, but anyway, if you if it, it, these are universally appealing things, and I don't I don't see any reason why someone with an Android phone or perhaps without a smartphone at all, why wouldn't that be appealing to them? Well, maybe maybe I wants to use it as lock into the iPhone ecosystem. Like, there's a big reason not to allow it, which is that you could purchase it with an Android phone, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what's more important to them, like, you know, the health thing and the value of them buying the watch itself or keeping people locked to the iPhone ecosystem, but there's certainly an argument to be made that way. So I, I, I could see them maybe never doing it. That's fair. And actually, this reminds me, I wanted to call attention to very briefly that I was extremely, I don't know if proud is really the right word for it, but I was extremely happy to see, I didn't do a count or anything, but there were plenty of women on stage, which has been getting better over the last couple of years, but there were plenty of women on stage. Um, there were people that were not white on stage, which was great. But more importantly to me anyway than that was that they were they were really embracing um, uh, cycle tracking for women, which I thought was very impressive. Mm -hmm. And I I was extremely happy to hear, because of the trials and tribulations that Aaron and I have gone through, to see that they have some fertility stuff in, as well, and, and showing you when your fertile window is. And if you're not in this world, that sounds you know either peculiar or if you're immature, perhaps gross. But really, it's very important, and this affects a lot more people than you would expect. And so I I wanted to just spend a moment and congratulate Apple for for paying attention to that sort of thing and the uh, makeup in the uh, the memojis, which I was very I felt vindicated that you several, were totally vindicated. Uh, know, right? Both Tim and Craig say emoji just like you. See, see those accidents. They sometimes they they start they down. start a revolution. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but no, I all, I don't want to I don't want to take away from what I'm trying to make is a serious point that I'm very pleased to see Apple trying to take into account people that are not young white dudes. And I think that they've done that for, they've done that well in the past, but they've done a really good job this year. So I think that's well deserved. And I think the privacy angle plays into this too, because this is just yeah, the type yeah, of yeah. data where we're like, and we'll tra track your fertility and we'll sell you this information to Target so they can send you, you know, right. advertisements for pads at the right. It's just, and you, we trust now that Apple's not going to do that because they say they're not going to and they haven't historically and their business models aren't built around it. So that's it's all part of the, uh, like the same, these same things wouldn't be the same coming from another company that is more of the standard tech giant that uses our data. The only thing that I was... Uh, had questions about, which I'm surprised they didn't touch on, and maybe they will in the more detailed session. Is like, so these things like send you notifications on your watches. I don't know, you can turn it off or whatever, but if the default is on, like if you're just hanging out in a meeting and the thing pops up <laughs> and it says, it's your fertile time, and it pops up on your watch, like that's probably not a notification you want your coworkers to see, and it's a little bit weird. I'm, I don't know, I manage your notifications, people. <laughs> Before we leave watchOS, I was also uh, pleasantly surprised by the new watch faces. Uh, the the new analog uh, solar one, I actually thought was kind of hideous. That was yeah, the one I, I expected. Saying, like the well, you asked for a new solar face, well, you got it. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to stick with the digital solar face. But the, the other ones, the, they actually had significantly improved design for legibility of the time while also having complications. Like there were a lot that had like, like the, the center dial was high contrast and nice colors. But then you can also put complications around the corners. So like they actually were significantly nicer designed than I would have guessed. And then the first round of infograph faces. And like the new one that has like little offset uh, clock but still has the big text complication below it and the one on the side. 
it's like infograph something that like the, those look these look really nice even the wonderful california dial oh stop it the california dial face while i don't like those numerals as the style of the numerals the design of the face with the clock and its color background and the way the hands are on it like okay, and the complication okay, on the corners it actually is a very nice looking face so i got to say like it they i i still think that we need third party watch faces very much so I, like i love how they were like we have more watch faces than ever and it's like yeah, i can think of one other way to do that <laughs> but uh, but i you know we still need third party watch faces i think ultimately but in the meantime they have given us more options that are actually useful instead of just having a bunch yeah. of like you know fluff faces that just are you know good for a quick oh that's neat and then you immediately realize this is useless and you go to the, go back to your old one they've given they've given us more options now that i think are actually going to be useful to people and I wouldn't dismiss the fluff faces. Like, we make fun of them because they don't have enough information. But, like, the gradient face, like, people pick what they want to pick on their watches. Sometimes they just want something they think looks nice. Some, like, everyone uses their watch in a different way. Some of them want to see all the information and have everything exactly set up. And some of them just want to have, like, a pretty picture when they look at their watch, so whether it's a picture of their kid or a weird gradient face or whatever. Like, so I feel like Apple has to continue making those, especially if they don't allow third party watch faces, because that is what some people want. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I feel like we should quickly touch on iPad OS. Like that, that's yeah. a thing. Uh, that's a huge I don't know thing. if I don't know if Federico is here, but uh, I know Jason Snell is very excited right now. So uh, yeah, iPad OS looked real good. I got the one thing that I wanted, which is I wanted to be able to manage photographs on a USB key via the Files app, and it looks like I've got that. The multitasking improvements at a glance look good. It's getting really complex, but it still looks good. I mean, I think all of this looked and sounded really, really great, and I'm really excited to try it on my iPad. Although I will point out, as mo most of you have probably seen by now, there is actually apparently a warning on the Apple developer website that says something like, for thrill seekers, in so many words, don't install Beta 1. And I've actually heard from several people that would know whether Beta 1 was good or not, and they have all said, don't install Beta 1. Yeah, I heard the same thing. Like, we got spoiled last year with the iOS 12 betas because they were pretty solid right from day one. And it kind of made us forget how bad Beta 1 usually is. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think, like, they, they prepare Beta 1, like, weeks ago. Or, like, there's, like, some big time gap. I don't know what it is. But, like, Beta 1 is pretty old at this point because yeah. they locked it in a while ago and beta 2 is like those few weeks or a month or whatever it is of a ton of bug fixes plus all the stuff that we're going to report from beta 1 on our test devices only and so they, like beta 2 is going to be if you're, if you're going to be the adventurer and install it on your main device please at least wait for beta yeah. 2 if not the public beta yeah agreed so I feel like we're, we're probably running a little low on time should we kind of a little more but I, I, I gotta say man by the way like Sitting between, sitting next to Federico and Jason Snell during the iPad OS segment, especially during the files segment, <laughs> <laughs> that that was it was it was not like I wish I was sitting next to Syracuse for the Mac Pro, but that was the next best thing because yeah. man, oh, like Federico like lit up. I've never seen Jason smile so much with the USB drive thing. Like they, they, there is so much in the iPad OS update for iPad power users. Even the fact that they renamed it iPad OS suggests like they're really taking this even more seriously than before. Absolutely. They're not going to let the iPhone UI paradigm limit them so much anymore. And they're like even basic stuff like the the new like way you can pin the widgets to the home screen and then always have those widgets showing with your little icons off to the side. Like they're just doing so much cool stuff on the iPad and the the multitasking system that we've had in iOS 11 and and forward so far. It had a lot of shortcomings. It's a little clunky to use. I was using, I was using it all day because I brought my iPad in as, as my main device all day. And 
It's fine. I, I have a lot of problems with it, though. But this new one looks like they're really making good changes. And, you know, we'll see how it shakes out over the beta period. I really want to hear from people like Federico and Jason and Mike, like, you know, people who are like iPad power users of, like, you know, how, how this actually works in practice, how, how good the changes actually are, because I'm not really qualified to say. But, man, is it, it looks really good. And it, it seems like everyone's pretty happy with it so far. Yeah, very much so. And it's funny because where we were seated in, in the conference uh, room or whatever you call it, the, 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 the keynote room, we were pretty much way on the opposite end of where the press was. And I swear to you, I don't remember specifically what it was, but I swear I heard a shout of utter joy from what sounded like an Italian man on the other side of the room who was extremely excited about something iPad-related. And I wish I remember specifically what it was, but I swear, my, in my headcanon, Federico just could not help himself and just yelped in excitement about something. I don't even remember what it was. Yeah, I think we're, we'll talk more about we'll talk more about everything in future shows, I'm sure. But I think uh, we have a lot more to say about iPad OS, just because like this is such a fundamental sort of quality of life improvement. They usually what they call it in like video games, where you get a quality of life improvement. Like they don't change the gameplay, but there's some aspect of like just using the game, like the menu system or moving between different areas in the game or dealing with your inventory. And you could do it the old way, but it just would slowly drive you crazy because you have to do it a hundred times a day. And this just felt like a quality of life improvement. Yeah. I feel like this. Tons more room, uh, things they can do to improve this. Uh, but giving it its own name is kind of like a signal that like we're taking this seriously as a separate thing now. And hopefully they don't have to wait like two or three years for another one of these events. I mean, I haven't barely seen Mike today, but I'm pretty sure he's been crying tears of joy <laughs> for at least the last six hours. Yeah, so. it's, it's, and there's so much other stuff. I mean, we're, yeah, we'll get into it in later shows. There's so much other stuff. I, I was especially interested to see the pencil updates. Now, like, mm -hmm. they, they cut the latency more than in half. How? Yeah, exactly. It was, it was already really good, and I don't know how. Like when you get into like you know single digit milliseconds of of response time for things, like that's just hard from a computational perspective. Like how yeah. do you do the operations that you need to do in that amount of time? Like that is really hard, and that's really impressive. I love that they added a pencil kit API, mm -hmm. so you, so you don't have to like make your own drawing and annotation engines anymore. Like that's really you cool. Can get your own uh, blending stump in your own application. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they didn't say blending stump on stage. I was waiting for it. I'm like, say it, say it, but no, nope, yeah. they didn't do it. So now we, no one knows what to call that thing except for us. Blending stumps for everyone. Hooray! So yeah, it, that that was huge. The text editing stuff I really want to play with. Like it's it's a massive update for the iPad. And I mean, geez, like do we do we have time to talk about iOS? <laughs> I don't Can know you, if we do. Who would have believed that after the WWDC keynote, we wouldn't have time to talk about iOS because we were talking about everything else? I know, that's wild. But, that, but that's such a compliment to, to, to this keynote. And I think it is clear that... It, it was clear to me going into the keynote that the handful of Apple engineers that, that I occasionally talk to were giddy going into it. And everyone around me that was outside of Apple was extremely excited going into it. And... Of course, every year, we're all excited, we're all amped. You know, this is Christmas for us because we're super nerds and whatever. But th this is still something that's super exciting. But this year, and I've probably said this in years past, but this year felt to me significantly more so than it ever did before, that everyone involved was extremely excited. They were excited on the inside. We were excited looking in from the outside. And I know we've said it a couple times, but that keynote was breakneck speed. I feel like, and I made this joke before, but I feel like, what was it, the Maxell ad, where the guy's just getting blown back by the speaker system? This is only if you're old that you'll understand this. So John gets it. But, yeah. uh, but one way or another, it, 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 feel, it just felt like it was nonstop. And, and I, I sit here and I can't think off the top of my head 
of what got left out. And I'm sure you give the three of, us, three of us another couple of weeks, we'll give you plenty of things that got left out. But sitting here tonight, the day of the keynote, I, I don't even know what got left out. It's huge. I mean, there's so much stuff. Like, I, I'm going to have a very busy summer because they gave me audio intense, intense with parameters, like all this stuff that we've wanted. That, and the, it, whether I want to do the watch, we haven't even talked about Marzipan slash what's it called now? Oh, Catalyst. Catalyst yeah. Like and, and Combine. That, yeah. That's how, who would have guessed we would have gotten here without talking about that? Hey, that's what yeah, I feel seriously. like most of the Apple people were super excited about. The people who knew they were all excited about Amber or what, what is the new name? For? Swift UI. Swift UI. That's also like, huge. Yeah. And, and it's weird that the keynote, like, and not that I'm complaining, they spent a lot of time on the Mac Pro, and I feel like Swift UI and Combine and Marzipan, the, the development story that that makes for the future of Apple's platforms, yeah, they touched on it or whatever, but they, I thought they would have leaned on it even harder. So it seems like they're a little bit more cautious about that than they were about Swift. But look at those pieces and put them together, and I guess, you know, look at the sessions this week. Like, that's the future of development on Apple's platforms, if yeah. all goes to plan, uh, you know, as they would say in the U.K., um, so I'm, I, th- I was surprised. <laughs> what? Everything Mike goes is... to plan. It's a British. It's a Britishism. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. Mike Justin. is so confused yeah. right now. The As Br- am I. So the British in the audience are denying your claim. I think. Citation needed. Your thing. Um, yeah, I thought they would have leaned on that even more because it's such a significant dev story. But like the keynote is a combination of dev story and also like whatever weird stuff they want to announce. So they spend a lot of time on the Mac Pro and they spend probably equal amount of time on those three things. But the rest of this week, I know we haven't talked about it in this show, but we will in future shows. I think that is a still the biggest story of WWC, which was underemphasized by Apple in the keynote specifically. Yeah, very much so. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for coming. Uh, we are almost done here. We're going to have a, a brief after show. But first, we need to thank our sponsors for the week. That was Boosted Boards, Mac Weldon, Linode, and Cards Against Humanity. Thank you very much to our sponsors this week. Stick around. We're almost done. We'll see you in a minute. Now the show is over. They didn't even mean to begin. Cause it was accidental. Oh, it was accidental. John didn't do any research. Marco and Casey wouldn't let him. Cause it was accidental. Oh, it was accidental. And you can find the show notes at atp.fm. And if you're into Twitter, you can follow them at C A S E Y L. ISS, so that's Casey Liss, M-A-R-C-O-A-R-M-E-N-T, Marco Arment, S-I-R-A-C, USA Syracuse, it's accidental. That never gets old for us. Thank you so much, you guys. So I wanted to do a quick exit interview for the outgoing trash can Mac Pro. Oh, no. <laughs> so the, I want to do a quick list of things that are younger than the trash can Mac Pro to give you some idea of how long it has been since the Mac Pro got an update. Oh, no. So things that are younger than the Mac Pro. The previous generations of iPod Touch, MacBook Air, and Mac Mini that we all said were ancient and just recently got replaced. Those were all newer than the Mac Pro. The iPhone 6, 6 Plus, and SE. Uh, the first Apple Watch. So we all think of that as being this ancient, old, outdated thing. 
That was newer than the Mac Pro. I'm wearing one now. Yeah, that's exactly. true, actually. <laughs> As were the uh, Apple TVs that ran tvOS and introduced the glorious Siri remote. It was a good year, a good couple of years of industrial design there. Uh, <laughs> the entire existence of Force Touch, the 12 inch MacBook, the iPad Pro, all of them. <laughs> The 5K Retina iMac, that was like two computers ago for me now. <laughs> Apple Music. The last color changes to the iPod line. Oh, my word. So that has happened since the Mac Pro, the trash can, the trash can Mac Pro. As has every Amazon Echo and smart home speaker. Oh, <laughs> my word. We've also had all of Overcast is newer. <laughs> Swift. HealthKit, HomeKit, CloudKit, and anything based on CloudKit, including the Modern Notes app, Photos app, iCloud Photo Library, all widgets and all extensions for iOS apps, the iOS Tips app, helpful, right? <laughs> Mac OS X Yosemite, which is before they renamed it to Mac OS, and introduced things like Notification Center, and the oh first dark mode when it was just like the menu bar, <laughs> the go to fail SSL bug. Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> not, trust me, it's not too soon. Uh, Timber by Pitbull and Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. <laughs> have you heard ever, either of those songs ever? I have. Okay, I'm impressed. Not that many, and I would have had to, I had to look up how to spell Pitbull and stuff, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> the entire Flappy Bird craze. HBO's Silicon Valley show and Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Uh, the last Hobbit movie for John. All of, all of Relay FM. Oh my word! <laughs> yeah. Mike is Mike is telling us that he started Relay FM on the Trashcan Mac Pro. That is insane. It also, survived anyway. Also, John's entire dog. Both of Casey's children. I was waiting for this. That's exactly right. <laughs> and the last. 245 episodes of this show. <laughs> <laughs> so, farewell, Trash Can Mac Pro. You've served us well? You served us a little bit sometimes. Occasionally. You provided us show artwork for all this time. We're going to have to get new artwork. Anyway, I want to close tonight by thanking the wonderful people from this venue. Uh, and I, we got a lot of help. In fact, can Stephen Hackett report to the stage, please? Stephen he, Hackett, is, report to the stage. Is he up? He, you are allowed upstairs. to leave your post to okay. come to the stage. I think so, he's moving from upstairs. We want to thank the people at the Hammer uh, Theater here. They've been wonderful to work with. We don't have to say this, but we are. They have been just amazing to work with. We are very happy here. We want to thank them for making this easy. We want to thank everyone who's helped us out with this event. We want to thank Relay FM for tipping us off to this theater in the first place from their show last year. Uh, and, of course, we all have shows there, and you should listen to them as well. So... Thank you to everybody who made this event happen. It has been wonderful to be here. Thank you for all of you, most of all, for being our audience all this time. Don't worry, we're not ending the show. I'm just thanking you. Like, <laughs> we're, we're still going to do this podcast. Don't worry. Uh, thank you all this time. You've been our loyal listeners. You allow us to do crazy stuff like this. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you very much. It has yeah, really Here's been to you guys. Thank you very much. All right. And you didn't have to work nights and weekends to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Oh, deep cut. Deep cut. All, All right. right. So, Stephen, would you please come out here? For I want to especially thank 
Mr. Uh, Stephen Hackett. Very much so. Stephen, Stephen saved this entire program. So. Stephen, can you grab uh, the microphone behind me, the wireless mic? Uh, Stephen so looks very scared right he now. He should be. So I want to thank Stephen Hackett because he has been running the sound, the recorder for us back there, doing the live stream, doing my, the, the mix that I'm going to make the podcast with. He's been doing a wonderful job, and I really want to thank him. And Do I get the toaster? I don't eat bread. Well, no, we like you, Stephen. Stephen is not famous for a collection of toasters. He's famous for a collection of Macs and old Macs. And there is one old Mac that Stephen does not have in his collection. Oh, no. That I think it's only <laughs> fitting that we give to him tonight. So as a thank you to Stephen. I should say for the listeners that Marco has hey! white gloves on. <laughs> Marco is presenting now, to Steven with white gloves a trash can Mac Pro. If you want, you can handle it with gloves because it gets fingerprints on it very easily. So now Steven is placing black gloves onto his hands. So it's only fitting that I think we thank Steven for his work making this event happen with this wonderful addition to his collection, the trash can Mac Pro. To Steven, everybody. And you may put the first fingerprints on that case already have. <laughs> so thank you very much, everybody, for coming out here. Thank you to everyone who made this event happen. And we will see you next year and also next week. Thanks, everybody.